This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. Uh, We are coming back with another extremely special guest today. Um, Season two, we are just killing it with some of the most amazing people on our podcast. And this is another person that we are so, so excited to have on here who has really uh, made an impression on me, especially, and my herbal practices and um, the learning and the journey that is all-encompassing of the herbal path. Um, So I'm so excited to introduce Regina Kinkinza. She is a spiritual herbalist teacher and the owner of Inherit Blooms. And she has amazing offerings, um, including such things as offerings that are deeply rooted in her study of Ayurveda, spiritual herbalism, ancestral practices, yoga therapy, health supportive cooking, pranayama, meditation, Nubian and Kemetic healing practices and vibrational therapies. And if that doesn't just sound amazing, (laughs) I don't know what does. So Regina, welcome. And we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you both for inviting me and just creating this space to connect. Um, I've been really looking forward to this conversation and uh, I've loved all of the little sweet uh, nothings we whisper in each other's DMs. So Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to just having this conversation tonight. Yes, we live in the voice message world, and it's delightful. It gives us a little more connection in this weird digital place we're absolutely. Yes, and and I have to offer that back, Regina. Ever like from the minute we've had our first conversation, you've always just expressed such kindness and openness, and so I'm. It's just an honor to have you on the show today and to share your wisdom with our OBMM family. (laughs) Thank you. We need a cuter word for them. We'll come up. I know. The fans. Um, <laughs> I know everyone has cute words and we're just calling everyone family right now. Um, before we dive in and get started, because there's so much we want to talk to you about today. Um, most importantly, what are you drinking tonight? What am I drinking? So I'm drinking a blend, uh, an herbal blend of tea that is uh, sage, lavender, red clover, and ginkgo. Mm. Mm. That sounds so nourishing. <laughs> yeah. Shale, what's in, in your cup In my today? cup, I am splurging a little bit because I'm, you know, I'm in those last few weeks before I have to really kind of get serious about my marathon training. So I'm allowing myself a little bit of a treat, I guess. So we've had these um, hard kombuchas in our fridge for, <laughs> for a while now. But you can hear the ice in here. It's a mango ginger um, hard kombucha. And it tastes like it's perfect for today where we're finally starting to see some sun here in Colorado. Um, I don't know what the weather's like where you're at, Regina. But it just tastes like those balcony sunny days. You know, that's the only way I can describe it right now. Very appreciated tonight. All right. (laughs) What are you drinking, Cheyenne? I have... A garbage yes. <laughs> that I threw together very quickly as I ran home from work. It is coconut extract, lime seltzer with an entire fresh lime yeah. squeezed into it, 
and frozen strawberries and some fresh basil, which is how I'm pronouncing it now because of our friend Rowan. Oh, yes. He's from the UK. (laughs) I've been sending sending him lots of voice messages and I'm adopting his his pronunciation. So... (laughs) Cheyenne always goes so hard on on the mocktails and the cocktails, and I'm over here like, if I can pour it in a cup, I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got frozen yep. strawberries. Did I say yeah. that? I feel like I always have frozen strawberries. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Okay. We are shuffling up our deck. We are using our eight coins tattoo tarot today, which has just been a very... Nice companion to the podcast already this season. Everything we've pulled so far has really resonated with our collective. So we're just going to give it another shuffle, take a collective inhale, ask for our highest and greatest messages and energies and thoughts, feelings, emotions going forward with this week. Okay, today we have pulled the Eight of Pentacles. I have been pulling this card a lot, so I'm excited about this one. Um, The Eight of Pentacles generally comes as a nod or a nudge, a nod for all the hard work we've been putting in, or perhaps a nudge implying that it's time to start getting to work. Um, So I'll describe this card. A young redheaded woman sits at her desk working diligently on a project. She is studying her books and implementing her lessons. She proudly displays her completed work on the wall behind her, but she hasn't given up on achieving perfection yet. She's just a beginner, but she knows she has a powerful future ahead of her if she keeps working hard. So this card is really telling us to tackle our interests with intensity. If you've been feeling your passions growing stronger, now is the time to follow your heart and dedicate yourself completely. There are no shortcuts to the top. If you want to be the best, it's time to get to work. So invest in your future, learn something new, and apply yourself completely. And we just might find that it'll be one of the most enlightening and powerful experiences of our life. Love it. Eight of Pentacles. Delightful. I'm starting to notice that with this tarot deck, it's like the, you guys need to get your shit together deck. And they're not letting it go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really not. Every time it's like, okay, so are you listening? Because last week I told you to do something. Have you done it yet? (laughs) (laughs) but grateful for those lessons but speaking of passion let's just dive right into the nitty-gritty of who you are Regina and what you do I guess in your own words kind of introduce yourself and give us a little Cliff's Notes version of what you're up all right well I'll start by saying um I think this is the first of any interaction that I've done with anybody in the last, it's probably since December. Um, I really shut down around December and was trying to do a lot of internal work. And I have been really retooling the website to focus on education. So I'll back up and just say that um, I do and have done uh, a lot of Ayurveda workshops and and work around Ayurveda. Um, I see clients um, in my practice um, and do wellness consultations and do herbal consultations with folks. I have also taught a couple different um, ancestral herbalism workshops and spiritual herbalism workshops, some different courses related to, to herbs. But 
for the last few months, I have literally just the people that have been already sort of working with me um, long term around some of their chronic illnesses. I've just been seeing them, working with them, coaching them and doing a lot of really unsexy website building. (laughs) That's mostly what's going on right now. Uh, Well, your website is beautiful. And I guess before we really um, dive in, I wanted to just read to everybody um, this little blurb you have in your about section that I think is just beautifully written, where it talks about your name um, of Inherit Blooms as a whole. So I'm going to go ahead and read that if that's cool. (laughs) Her is me, you, the divine feminine, and mama nature herself. Her is not limited to biological female gendered bodies. There's a beautiful, dark, chaotic, creative, transformational, life-giving, and life-taking force within all of us. That is the divine feminine, and that is the work that in her it blooms. All bodies are welcome and will benefit from the herbs and wellness advice offered here. In her it blooms is a reminder that everyone and everything around you will bloom when they are good and ready, even you. And I just love that. Oh, that I appreciate that. I did that. say that. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I wanted Inherit Blooms to be a space that welcomes women, femmes, uh, and even men that are open to the divine feminine to be able to learn the skills and the language of our bodies so that we can become our own healers. I feel like much of my own healing journey has been a story of just a lot of trying to learn what the is my body trying to tell me right now. (laughs) (laughs) And as frustrating as that journey can be and as long as that journey seems like almost endless, there have been so many revelations, so many beautiful relationships, so many different ways of connecting and communing and understanding my body um, that have helped me to help others um, sort of do the same with their body. Um, and that that's kind of really what the work of Inherit Blooms is. Um, I don't I don't think I have an aspiration to be called a healer. I have this aspiration that people feel empowered to learn the skills uh, to heal themselves, and you know use those things that our our ancestors knew so well because they were paying so much more attention because they had so many less distractions than we do. Yes, and, and I'm so glad you say that. Um... So I I uh, started taking a herbal apprenticeship with a teacher from my lineage of the the European indigenous lineage and particularly Irish Celtic lineage and that's something that I'm so grateful about the circle that we're in is that it really is encouraging learning to be practitioners in a way that benefits community. Um, and when we think about the state of the world that we're in right now, especially in this country where our healthcare system is just totally, there's no words for it. Right. And right. it's almost, you know, it's, it's just so awful and broken and really having access to improving your health should be a right in my mind. And so practicing in this way where medicine was accessible to everyone in our community and, um, that's something that they really emphasize in in this practice as well is 
you aren't a healer. The, the, the individual themselves is the healer and we're more like midwives or support systems in empowering that healing from within and giving you the knowledge and tools to be able to conduct that. So it's just really beautiful to see, see that in, in your world as well and be able to connect in that way and, and bringing this healing back to community. I love how you put that. And I love that you're having that experience like rooted in your own Celtic uh, traditions. That's beautiful. It was actually, this is really funny, Regina. It was actually really inspired by you because um, that was kind of the first conversation that we really had mm. was um, that's, that's how I discovered you, you had this amazing mm. video around uh, where herbalists have, particularly in Western herbalism, where we have uh, claimed practices from indigenous cultures and, and accepted it as our own, particularly in white herbalism and um, how there has been this erasure of, of what that knowledge was and who it really truly belonged to and who really taught us this. Right. And so uh, I remember we just had this really beautiful conversation together around how to identify our own lineage and do it in a way that allows for further connection. And so trying to find um, herbalism and, and deepening my practice in a way that benefited my, or not benefited, but um, belong to my lineage. And I can learn that versus appropriating from other cultures became really, really important to me after that. So mm. thank you. It's really cool. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love that you're doing the work. Um, I love that you're doing the work and that you followed that path and are on that journey. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so that actually circling back to you, that um, makes me really curious. What, what drew you to the plant path? How did you end up in, in this space? I'm just super curious about what called you to um, herbalism and, and plant medicine. Sure. Um, beautiful question. I was thinking about this and I don't know that I have like the clearest first memory of when I felt called to herbalism um, as a whole, but I know that I've been around, um, I was born in Zambia and in Zambia, they have different names for, or specifically the Lunda, um, the group of people that I was born into have different names for parts of the plants. So like the, it wouldn't be like a walnut tree leaf and a walnut and a walnut tree bark. And they would have, different names literally like they're considered completely different things because the way they're going to be used is very differently and so I think I've noticed that there are people that have deep plant knowledge um and have relationships with plants uh that go far beyond uh, this plant for this disease and I've wondered like how do you know that how did you come to know such a specific um, use or when I when I heard this story too of um, the people in Latin America the the groups of people in Latin America that use um, ayahuasca and they're essentially using that medicine with um, the frog combined with other plants that are in completely disparate parts of the forest uh, and the the way the legend is told is is that like a chief of a village had people in his village were dying and I he was taking something and this frog told him like you need to combine this um, medicine that I have with other plants in the forest and this is where you'll find them um, and so it kind of 
has been for me a thing of um, I want to know what you know, but really I want to know how you know it. How did you come into knowing it? How did you come into being able to commune with plants where you actually know uses way beyond the uses that we see in books? And so that's the journey, the specific journey I've been on um, is trying to meet the people who have real relationships with plants. Um, And once I've pretty quickly found people who did that uh, and they all were generally of the African diaspora. And so that's just been a, a real strong foundational aspect of the type of herbalism that I've studied and been been a part of. Definitely um, a different, I think a distinct approach from like trying to remember all the uses of a plant um, and instead like forming relationships with, with plants themselves. Uh, I love that. Okay, so talking about um, specific plant relationships, I'm just curious what what you can share, what you're willing to share. Is there a specific plant or herb that you feel a really strong connection to, something you're really working with specifically right now? What does that kind of look like in practice? Sure. Right now, I have, there's a group of herbs that I'm working with that I actually felt like I had ancestral guidance around working with uh, when I first moved to Michigan almost a year ago. Uh, so I moved here under some some dire, crazy circumstances. Uh, it was the middle of COVID and I was getting evacuated out of Egypt. Um, but I really had not had time to uh, grieve the loss of my dad who passed away um, a few months prior to, to all of that COVID commotion. Um, and when I got here, I, I remember if it was a dream or it was usually it's like right before I wake up, I'll get a few different like little whispers of this is what you need. And it was a bunch of herbs that relate to the mind. It was um, both Brahmi's, Brahmi scintilla and Asiatica, ginkgo, um, Linden, what else is in there? Tulsi. Um, but I've basically been working with these herbs and they have been really amazing because they have been like asking to take the lead in the blend at different times. So when I first got here, it was very, very mind focused. A lot of the dominant herbs were some of the mind herbs. And then later as I was working through more grief, it was like Linden was like, just basically make it mostly Linden and the other herbs kind of come in there as well. Um, And there's been other times where uh, Rosemary has also taken the lead, Uh, but it's been the same pack of herbs, (laughs) but I've used them for so many different uh, situations actually. And it's actually been a great reminder to me as an herbalist that you really don't need a closet full of herbs to, to work with. You need to understand and have a relationship with like a core set of herbs. Um, Cause I just keep, I just keep having like different formulations and they're like, Oh, we're going to work on your circulation and we're going to work on your moody attitude today. Or we're going to work on, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But I'm like, yo, these, these herbs, <laughs> they're still good. I'm still sipping on the same ones. I, so. 
really love that sentiment too, because that's something we talk about in a lot of different contexts on this podcast of, you know, you can buy all the tools in the world. You can have the most Instagram worthy apothecary in the world, but none of that is the actual work. So right, um, I like that you, right. yeah, you've got your, your ones who keep showing up in different ways. Right. I call them my, my, my little herbal A team right now. I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know when I'll feel like I'm done working with them, but right now they've just been like very consistent and showing out in different ways. So um, ginkgo also like made it into tonight's little little blend because it, it's one of the main herbs that I've been working with. So I, I love how we keep kind of touching on um, like the concept of plant spirituality and plant communication and um, ancestral work. And I'm really curious from your perspective and your experience, what does that mean? Like, how would you define that? How does it show up in your practice? And, and how do you deepen your relationship in each of those three ways? Mm, all right. <laughs> Coming at you. It's a multifaceted question. She uh, comes at you with the hard ones. There you go. Spice <laughs> it up. So for me, I feel like ancestral herbalism, um, and I'm, I'm not an expert, but the way that I've heard ancestral herbalism used that feels the most inclusive, like just just different definitions that I've not really heard people give as definitions, but that I've just like sort of collected from different hodgepodges of communities that describe themselves as doing ancestral herbalism. Um, I kind of feel like they break down into three different groups of activities. Um, And so I hear ancestral herbalism being used to describe what your ancestors did through and through, like what were the practices that they, they used how did they harvest plants? How did they grow plants? What was their belief around when that should happen and how it should happen? What kind of preparations did they use? And then I hear people use ancestral herbalism to mainly mean the plants that your ancestors used. Um, and this, I think, makes it more accessible for people who may not have had practices that are passed down to them. So you may not have had uh, grandmas or aunties who showed you particular things, but maybe you still know what uh, you, or you know your ancestry so you can deduce what plants you worked with and you can get started there. And then the, the third way that I like to think about ancestral herbalism is really around um, what you co-create with your ancestors. So this definition really doesn't require you to really know much about your ancestors at all. It's really about direct relationship and even how you go about that may not require you to know much about your ancestry it's uh more a belief and a faith in um knowing that your ancestors are always around you um and so the work that you do with them uh becomes ancestral herbalism and i say that because i think um for those of us that do ancestral herbalism work especially when you're doing it with a group that isn't named like we're not doing uh egyptian ancestry or celtic ancestry or black southern tradition ancestry or puerto rican ancestral herbs it when you just have a general group you you run the risk of somebody in the group may not know their ancestry they may be adopted they may not know their heritage some folks have very traumatic experiences with uh folks that are now ancestors and so there's a lot of ways in which people i think 
when you say ancestral herbalism, people can feel blocked or uh, that it's inaccessible. And so I like I like to think about it in these three sort of buckets of activities that we could do because I think it makes it at least possible. Um, you still have to decide if it's something you want to do, but it makes it at least possible. There's an entry point for, for everyone to get started. That's a really good point. And I think, I think that's something that is really probably more common than we realize is, you know, people who might not, might not know who their ancestors are. And that gives you a lot of food for thought to think about the ways in which we're even using language and terminology and how we're approaching ancestral herbalism. And so if, if, if you could give advice to somebody who, who maybe is in that, in that situation where they might not know who their ancestors are, but want to deepen their practice in, in this way or pursue it, what kind of advice would you have for someone in that, that, that situation? Thank you for asking that question. That's, I, I really believe your ancestors are around you um, in your, your day-to-day life. Um, and so just by setting an intention to work with them, uh, you can be in relationship with them. And for some people that may mean setting up an ancestral altar and it does not need to be the most Instagrammable, uh, <laughs> glorious, candle-laden altar. It literally can just be any space where you go to do the work, as you all were saying before. Um, it's literally where you go to do the work. I think just by, you know, one of the things that you can you can say or set as an affirmation or say as a prayer, uh, if you use that language, or just say out loud, um, is just that you want to be in relationship with your ancestors, let them know that you want to be in relationship with them. You can set an intention to know their names. Um, you may come across that information. You can set an intention to be able to distinguish between the different energies or ancestral folks that are around you. But you may just may just ask that they guide you. I I also believe like we don't need to know your knowing is not always required. So the moment I call my ancestors for it, I I may not know all of the the depth of the work that they're doing on my behalf, but that doesn't mean they're not working on my behalf. Mm, um, that's so beautiful. <laughs> so like I even think about that like with dream work. Like I think like I'm not somebody who remembers dreams easily, but I often ask for my ancestors to still talk to me in dreams. And then my prayer might be that like whatever they've shared with me is embedded in my body. So I wake up and do it. I don't need to know it and be like, oh well, first they told me this <laughs> and then I like that's such a it's not required. It's not required. Um so for folks that um, maybe starting their spiritual journey or their ancestral work. If all of that like just sounds like someplace that is so far from you, I would just start trusting that, you know, your ancestors around you, you can journal to try to track trends and do all of that. But again, your knowledge is just like, it's really not required. I love that. <laughs> you know, we're all very magical beings, you know, there's, <laughs> It's true, right? Like, yeah, some people just, you know, some people can articulate it or see it really well or describe it really well. But um, I have no doubt that everybody is here by the the strength of of, uh, a really deep ancestral chain that's like holding it together for you behind the scenes. My God. And if I ever have like a really bad day where I'm feeling lonely, I'm going to remember that, that I have a chain of ancestors holding me up. You do. You do. And I'm sure they're like, you know, rejoicing that you are 
just doing this work that you're doing now and recovering traditions and that's just you know just dope that kind of reminds me of that that concept of like done is better than good Mm. too Mm -hmm. like sometimes you just gotta sit down and show up and that's enough like nobody's gonna be an expert overnight right and you're not always going to interpret messages correctly either right (laughs) Um, but it's just about sitting down and listening and like separating your ego a little bit and just being open to whatever comes through. That's really cool. Yeah, that's the realist. That's the realist. And and speaking of magical beings, um, you know, I, I think something that might be kind of intimidating, but I also think is crucial if if you want to deepen your plant um, practice is is the the plant communication and that connection on a spiritual level. So I'm curious what that looks like in your practice as well and and how you might have advice for people who, how you even explain something like that to somebody who might not be aware of what that means or what that entails. So I have found just through, I think my own work with plants, I think probably one of the first times that I felt plant communication was I was, I was walking, there's a botanical bar, when I lived in the Bronx, there was a botanical garden um, in the middle of the Bronx that's just really beautiful. And I used to go there on my days off and there were, I was going to go sit in some flower patch, but it, it, this botanical garden is huge. It's like a maze. And I, I never can get the same place twice, but I was walking <laughs> through this like patch of pine trees and I just felt them be like, sit down. Like, and it, it, it felt like the way an elder tells you something in Zambia where it's like, it's not really to be discussed. Like you should just do it. Um, and you should have a seat and be quiet. <laughs> and you should watch, you can watch the older women work, but you know, you're not really, it's not like you're being invited to partake in the conversation. Um, so just sit and be present. That's actually the gift. And I was sitting with these pine trees and I really hadn't considered them before, but I, at the time I was working um, as a cook in a kitchen in New York and my body just on my days off was like destroyed. I was in so much pain from standing and cooking and being in a hot kitchen. But I remember the pine tree being like, you should take me home and put me in the bath. Mm. And I think it was, I didn't really think twice, but I, I, I did that. Um, I made this like very strong, like pine needle tea and put it in the bath and bathed with the pine needles but I think it would be years later when I was in India, um, they call pine Devdaru, which is like the wood of the gods. And mm-hmm. when my teacher was like describing all the indications of pine and why pine is such an amazing plant, it was like, I think that was like one of the times where I was like, oh, I knew what to do with it. It told me what <laughs> to do with it. And that was the exact, like, that was a perfectly great use of it. Um, and I don't know that that's like a, a widely used use of pine, but it was amazing. It like took away all the inflammation. I felt great. I was walking around fine. I didn't have all the joint pain. And um, I just remember going into the kitchen the next day and everybody was like, you look so refreshed. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's been times where I think plants have been able to to explain uses of them beyond what I've like read in books and that's been really powerful I know sea lettuce is another plant that I've worked with for a really long time I actually worked with that plant for my apprenticeship with um, Karen Rose in the Sacred Vibes Apothecary in Brooklyn who is the OG 
uh, we have to give her credit for spiritual herbalism, especially among women of color. Uh, she asked, she asked us to walk with a plant. And I think I was walking with sea lettuce for about six months and that plant too, just blew me away. Um, had me in an existential crisis (laughs) and I, I left the country shortly thereafter. Um, but it was like, I, I had, I think to up until that point, I had done mostly like, um, community development work, social justice work. And I, I, this was right around the time that um, someone was shot in New York, the Eric Garner case. I remember I was in the tub and I was, I was crying and I was like, nobody cares. This is not really a priority for anybody. People care, but it's nobody's priority. Like nobody's Mm -hmm. priority. I had attended all the protests. We were doing the nightly protests. We were doing all of that. But I was like, this is honestly nobody's priority. Um, this is this is not going to work. Um, and I was aware that the, the protests were starting to dwindle and everything. Um, but I felt Sea Lettuce ask me and kind of take me astrally to outside of the tub, outside of my apartment, outside of the Bronx, outside of the world, and then like back in time. And it was like we were back in the beginning where before there was even animals created and it was like there was algae, which is like this, you know, seaweeds are really a more primitive form of plants. They're like the ancestors of plants. Right. And it was like in the beginning. And that's all it said, but it was like in the beginning, none of this even mattered. So you're really fighting, but and in, in this lifetime and in this body, it matters. But at some point it won't. So what part of you are you really, what eternal part of you are you nourishing? What eternal part of you are you growing? You can continue to fight this fight and you should, but there needs to be some work on the eternal. Um, And that set me on a whole spiritual journey that took me out of the country and to India and all of that. So I I always give Sea Lettuce credit for communicating (laughs) so many different things. Uh, It taught me a lot about the divine feminine it taught me a lot about um, divine timing. I think plants are like, they're amazing communicators, mm-hmm. but I, I think it, I think the only thing that is required maybe is like um, that trust that like those ideas that are popping up, when you start to realize like those are not yours, mm-hmm. the, the little voice in your head or the, the thing that's coming up, like those are not yours. Like that plan is actually like providing that for you, that image or it's providing those words for you. Mm. I'm just, I'm still, that question of what are you working on eternally? This has me like stopped right now. (laughs) I know I'm, I'm chewing on this one. I I don't think I've ever, I've never heard that question asked. And that is so fascinating because I do think we focus so much on what are you doing with this life? What are you doing right now in the present moment? But we time time isn't real right we are eternal right so what are we working on outside of this picture and i'm just kind of mind blown by that right now i think that was really hard for me too as like a black woman to like let that go a little bit like i think that was like it was it was really hard actually to hear that because it'd been such a like most of my or community organizing had been like around uh people of color women of color 
um, I think it was really hard. Like when that that plant, when sea lettuce kind of checked me on that, I was like, really? <laughs> You're going to strip me of my primary identity and ask what's left? Yeah, that's like, very unsettling initially, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I yeah. You guys get it. I'm hesitant to share that in some ways, <laughs> in some circles, but I know you guys get it. So oh well, we're we're honored you you feel comfortable to share that with us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm <laughs> Have you had those plant communications like through your um, ancestral herbs? I'm trying to think if it was specifically an ancestral herb. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think it was an ancestral herb per se, but I did have a very profound moment actually pretty recently. Um, cause here in Colorado, uh, wild rose, wild mountain rose grows pretty, mm. um, pretty abundantly and it's oh, so beautiful yeah. and it smells so good. And, um, I really came in contact with them on, uh, an anniversary trip my husband and I took to the mountains. We just, we had to get away. It was the middle of COVID and we just secluded ourselves and it was so needed at that time. And, you know, it was just an ally that just popped up and was everywhere and just in there. And uh, in the last, I think in the last few months, I just, before I really started my apprenticeship and everything, it was the same kind of situation they, they kept popping up in my dream and it would just be this real subtle image of I'd be strolling along and they would just like make themselves really known. Like they would just kind of be growing in a place that they probably shouldn't. So I would be like kind of forced to notice it and it just kept having dreams like that where it would just make itself known and be kind of a reminder over and over and over again. And Cheyenne can speak to this a lot too. And, and why laughing about the tarot cards <laughs> kind of getting after our case a little bit is um, we're both feeling like we're kind of at a crossroads of, you know, it's, it's easy to live in a, a world where you feel comfortable and you have the well-paying job and there's aspects of it that you really enjoy, but is it, is it your life purpose kind of, you know, midlife crisis thing we're going through? <laughs> um, but I really, really, really feel so called to the plant path and to community herbalism and, um, and Cheyenne has lots of things that she's really wanting to pursue right now. And so um, what's so interesting about that wild rose showing up in my dream, and I finally looked it up. I was like, this has to be something significant. Why is this rose showing up in this way in this dream? And basically what I, I kind of learned after researching it a little bit is that they are a teacher. They are somebody that's really aligned with the herbal path and you know, allowing yourself to pursue your passions. And, and that's what they kind of represent. In a dream state. Mm. And I remember after I was started reading that and just thinking about the dream again, just being so shocked by it or, and that seems to be the way they show up a lot is um, similar to like what you're saying, where, where I'll be feeling something or I'll think about an herb. Like I had a, actually I'll, I'll take a step back a little bit because um, cleavers is really important in Irish lineage. And uh, my teacher actually that I'm doing the apprenticeship with now uh, mentioned cleavers. And I had grown up in Washington and had this little sticky plant that I loved, but never knew what it was called. I just called it the sticky plant. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so when she mentioned 
that plant in our class and, and started talking about cleavers. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a sticky plant. You would recognize it. It's kind of here in Colorado, but in more moist areas, I just had this like sense of remembering, like that was that plant that meant so much to me as a kid. And I just loved it when I was this little, like feral child <laughs> running around everywhere. And, um, <laughs> It was so funny because that whole day I just kept thinking about it and being like, I wonder if that if I can find it in Colorado and um, literally have not seen cleaver since I was a child. And I literally walked into I'm using literally that's that's how you know I'm getting into this story. <laughs> I walked out into my back deck the next day and honest to goodness, it was there growing in rocks in my backyard in a place where there's okay. like no moisture. Doesn't make sense. And then just the other day I was actually last Saturday I was in our class again and started thinking about it. I was like we had some good snow I wonder if it came back or if it was just a fluke thing and I walked outside this weekend and there it was and so it's just this really friendly friend that keeps coming back now and I just appreciate them so much and I don't know what they mean in my life yet but for some reason it's it's there and, and it's it's tied to that remembrance I guess a remembrance of who I was before this life you know oh yes I love that I know one of my teachers, um, Lisa Fazio, she she always says that if, if a plant shows up to you three times, she teaches um, Italian ancestral mm -hmm. herbalism, but she always says that if a plant shows up three times with you, like it wants to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my other teacher who teaches like Bush, he's like uh, a West Indian descent, but um, he teaches Bush herbalism. He always says if uh, a plant shows up like in your living space, like in your backyard, like yeah, it's coming. <laughs> like those are the those are the plants that want to work with you because if you notice, like you know, year after year, it's like not every plant shows up in equal proportions mm -hmm. at the same time every year. It's like the it's kind of like a symphony, you know, like different plants are coming up at different times and then going away, and then other ones are coming, but that symphony kind of changes from year to year. So. You know, if you see a little cleavers creeping up in the backyard, yeah. uh, it probably has an agenda. I'm excited to see how that I know. And for you, they're just cleavers are just the sweetest little plant. I don't know what it is about it, but they're just mm -hmm. you can't help but love them. <laughs> and my teacher actually said they're they're known as the the herbalist badge because you can literally like stick them to your shirt. <laughs> so I think that's really cute. <laughs> So something that I would love for you to talk a little bit about is you have an herbal reparations program. Um, kind of what is that? What does that look like? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> like, sure. Let's talk about it. <laughs> herbal reparations. Um, so I have herbal reparations set up right now as a way that people can support the people who support us by being involved in social movements, social justice work, community building or activism, uh, broadly speaking, uh, so long as they are uh, BIPOC activists. Um, and so this emerged out of the George Floyd uprisings. And there was, I was trying to figure out how can we sustain this movement so we don't see burnout um, because one of the having been an activist for a long time I know that one burnout is real and also just usually folks that are doing activism are in like nonprofits or some sort of sit community group situation where they may 
more often than not don't have access to like uh quality health care and they are the number one candidates for like just working egregious hours and like working through their working through and ignoring their own health conditions and their own body while they are trying to support uh the community um so i was trying to think about movement sustainability and what would i have needed <laughs> when i was in in working those kind of hours um yeah. and so herbal reparations is uh basically folks can donate in ten dollar increments up to uh, a full cost consultation is 150 dollars um when someone comes through herbal reparations they are paying or sowing the seeds of 30 dollars into their own consultation and i realized that was necessary because they were originally free but people don't respect free things mm. um, so i realized like just like when i see other people in consultation i think especially if you're coming to see me generally people know that i'm gonna ask you to do some work um, I have no magic bullets. There's no one herb that I'm going to give you and you're going to be good in a week. So I'm going to ask you to make like substantial lifestyle changes and um, do some spiritual work and work with these herbs and, you know, get it together. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the the free thing was not aligning with the rest of the practice. Um, I think a lot of people were curious, uh, kind of felt like a peep show. So I changed it to $30 and I feel like um, I've gotten the most beautiful, different kind of Black, uh, Indigenous, uh, Latino contributors to the culture. And so I, I think we're aligned in that path now. So they, they invest $30 into their consultation and the community invests the, the $120 that it takes to do the full consultation. Um, and that allows me to see whoever walks through the door, never say no to anyone, and me also do the work sustainably uh, in a way where I don't burn out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. So people can get involved um, by donating, like I said, consul- um, in $10 increments um, to a consultation. I've had, I think, four really dope farmers mm-hmm. who have also contributed herbs um and that was a really really cool um connection just here in michigan three farmers in um i think it was actually four farmers in detroit and and one farmer in flint who just does actually backyard farming um but that's also been uh, a way that i've been able to uh pour into other herbalists of color who may need herbs um low-cost herbs for their practices very cool. Um, and we, everybody, we will link uh, notes and links and all of the things in the show notes so you can donate and participate. We would love for our community awesome. to show up for yours as well. Um, but speaking of burnout, <laughs> I'm curious what you do. How do you protect yourself mm. and your energy mm. in doing such intensive, heavy work, especially with a lot of other people when you're touching other people's trauma so often? Mm, thank you for that question <laughs> uh the real of it is like I think I think you know I I'm a new I've, I've been studying for a long time but I have and I have been working with herbs for a long time but I'm a new business owner so I think for me this last year was noticing actually what you're saying is like I don't have constant energy 
Um, I have energy in like peaks. It feels very seasonal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, there's, I actually can't see people in consultation all day. Um, I have to kind of limit how many people I'm seeing because we're going to talk very deeply about, you know, what you're going through, the things that you have gone through, um, things that have been ignored, things that are hard to sit with. And so it is hard to um, absorb that energy continuously. And I wouldn't recommend that anyone see anyone that's actually doing that all the time. You need to <laughs> sort of like, yeah, like cleanse yourself off and release that and, 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 and separate from that energy. So you're not confused about what energy is somebody else's and what energy is, is your own. Um, so for me, I'm actually in the process of building things to be seasonal I, I really like I now that I'm in Michigan, we have the craziest difference between it's probably not the craziest if you're like in Alaska, you're probably like, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> That's really not that serious. But for me it was wild. It's like in the summer we're like almost like nine thirty, almost ten o'clock. But in the winter it's like five hours less at the end of the day. So we're like, you know, it's dark really early. Um, and something about that, like, it just shut me down. There was nothing I could do. <laughs> it was like, just stop, just stop all of this. I, yeah, I'm really in the process of building things to be, reflect the seasons, reflect my own cycles, my own moon cycles, so that like work kind of looks aligned to when I have energy, um, when I'm in a state of abundance to be able to like pour over and give to others. And then just recognize like there are periods of time, like in the month and in the year that I, I need to just, you know be a little hermit in in Michigan that's what I need to do (laughs) um where are you in Michigan Regina um I'm in Lansing Michigan okay I um used to live in Ludington oh cool I I went up there actually we had a little family vacation there oh very cute it's super cute they were (laughs) very cute (laughs) little cherry they had little cherries or something going on yeah I was gonna say I what I remember most um I was in elementary school when we lived in Michigan but that's actually where my biological dad is from he's from Detroit but um I remember my mom is a botanist and so remember Michigan was by far the most beautiful garden she's ever had anywhere we've lived because you can grow anything right right Right. I bet that was special. I bet that was special. Oh, and we'd always go blueberry picking. That was yeah. too. Lots of yeah. blueberries. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember that. <laughs> we had a whole bunch of berries and pancakes. And I was like, this is such a cute place. <laughs> this sounds so whimsical. <laughs> yeah. So Regina, I, I mean, you just listed off just in our conversation, I think five or six different countries or places that you've Um, been to or lived in and I remember too when we had our conversation how you know you talked about being a forever student and we've had several other guests that were so inspired by that that eternal student mindset and I'd love for you to elaborate that on that for you and then how has your travels impacted your your spiritual journey and your practice sure thank you for that I think, I mean, one, I think, you know, you you only get to be young while you're young. <laughs> and that is like the position where you, I guess if I were to make it a travel analogy is like, I think there's that feeling of when you go somewhere new and the smells are smells you've never smelled before. And the tastes are, are hitting notes on your palate that you've never tasted before. 
that feeling of expansion for me is like super nourishing, addictive. I love that. I really feel like that's when I'm alive and living. I really feel like, you know, whatever spirit that it needed to incarnate in this lifetime, like needs, like thrives off those experiences. I struggle with like the mundane day to day. I'm really, that's really my meditation right now is like, just living in middle America and trying to get on a routine and do my, you know, work out and have a car and do all the, these things. But I think for a long time, like for me, that's what felt like, I mean, it felt like learning, but it also just felt like expansion and growth and um, all these ex- things that I associate with feeling good. I don't know if other, some people are, I don't, I don't know that I share that because I, I definitely have seen people when they go places it, it shuts them down um, or they, or want to retreat to like all the things that they know they all of a sudden need a McDonald's chicken sandwich. Um, <laughs> and I like, I don't feel that way. I really like start to like, I just get turned on. Like, I love that feeling. Um, and I feel like learning for me is, is probably in the same vein, like the expansion of mind. I have to make a new place in my brain for, this concept that I, I didn't have a reference for from or the things that are already contained in my mind get reorganized according to this new information that I'm getting like for me that is really just electrically turns me on <laughs> I was to say it um so I love that and I love I love other people that have that uh sentiment as well I love I love hearing that people are on journeys like in the middle of their lives like like you all Hmm. um to just you know try something new see what happens yes Ooh, Cheyenne you needed to hear that today (laughs) (laughs) I've been in my head about a lot of things okay (laughs) we're planners you know like we're both whimsical free-spirited beings but when that planner gene hits sometimes it just like derails it you know (laughs) Yeah, you know it's funny. I'm thinking about that because Shale and I both are avid travelers and and love that that feeling too. But it reminded me of my first night in Cape Town. I was working for a magazine, and I was totally jet lagged, and I shouldn't have gone out. But I was trying to be that like, no, I'm gonna experience things and go, and we're gonna have a great time. <laughs> and I went out with my roommates and was great for about three hours and then my body completely crashed yeah and I'm you know crying in a bar bathroom <laughs> like can somebody give me a phone so I can oh. talk to my mother <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, but it's just funny that balance too and then you know by the morning I was slept and was fine and was excited to right. begin my big adventure but um yeah finding that balance is important too right 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 okay so what is on the horizon for you? What are you looking forward to? Do you have anything you can share that you're cooking up that's not quite ready yet? Oh, yeah. Or when is your website rebuild going to be finished? Um, so I am shifting platforms to um, Kajabi, which, you know, it's really not sexy on the background, but it makes <laughs> it possible for me to um, just have, I think, content be laid out in a way that I think is better if you're trying to teach classes and um, mm. it, it's also more streamlined. So I'm, I'm really working on just shifting the whole web presence over to Kajabi and um, being able to offer, uh, being able to offer classes, but also being able to offer um, 
different ways for people to connect with me. So one of the things that I think is going to be really important for me in the, the later half of this year is reflecting on how my ancestors received medicine. Um, and in this case, uh, these ancestors are not that old. They're they're my more, more recent ancestors. When I listen to the way my dad talks about how uh, Black doctors worked when he was a kid, it was like a doctor saw your whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And they wanted to know like who else had a cold in your family and, you know, who else was, you know, feeling the way you were feeling. And they kind of like would not see you individually. They wanted to see you show up as a collective. And I think like for me also, a lot of my own healing experiences have, there have definitely been parts of them where I needed to be on my own. I needed to be in isolation. I needed to go off and, you know, do the journey outside of society. But uh, there's a point where you need to heal in community and you need to heal with other people that, uh, will validate your experience that will remind you of your greatness, um, your gifts that will reflect back to you, your uniqueness and encourage you on your on your way. So I've been thinking um, and now constructing different ways of offering like the sort of consulting like consultation services that are more group oriented. So we heal together or we we go together like the questions are collective. You learn from somebody else's experience. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to sort of take the, take the little spotlight. Off. I don't, I don't know if I'm not good at being in a spotlight, but I, I, I feel like it's unnecessary. I'm not, I'm not the old crone. <laughs> yet. I don't have that kind of like wisdom to offer folks, but I do like creating space. I do like holding space for people. I do believe in the power of community um, as healing. And so some of what I'm going to be offering is going to be in a different format, which will be a community format. Um, so the, the, there's, there's two things that are falling under that umbrella and they're kind of targeted at different, different groups of people, but I really am going to, I think, move towards more education and more collective, a more collective model. I think the one-off engagement is not as, uh, I don't think it's enriching as enriching for everybody. Sometimes you need it. Sometimes you just need a couple instructions. You need to go off on your own, but I really do think like, you know, doing things in, in, a collective group and a, a real one. I know we overuse the word community too much online as mm-hmm. well, but I mean, mm-hmm. an actual intentional, we have some business together. Yeah. Um, we have a goal to achieve and we're going to collectively get there and share our resources kind of community. I think that's such a beautiful offering and so needed, especially after the year of isolation we all just went through. Right. Right. Where are the people exactly. at? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> want to hang out with my friends right exactly that's literally actually that was literally one of my goals is the other thing I'm not doing this year is like I'm not doing I think I'm really not doing much alone I'm like really partnering with other women um to do I think all of my offerings there's not going to be a lot that I'm going to do alone this year I'm just really fascinated by that because I feel like that's almost like an active resistance against society (laughs) in general anyway like when we think about the competitiveness that exists in our culture and the the individuality and and all of that I just think it's just such an incredible offering and I'm so happy to hear that you're bringing that to the world yeah, it's a real dissolution of the ego, yes. and I just, that's very commendable. No, I appreciate that, but I, I had a, the last, because I, I, the last, like, real apprenticeship that I had, or teacher that I had, 
he was so generous with his knowledge to the point it was like i mean he he would not just like here's a couple recipes he was like whatever you want i got it if he's selling it currently he'll still give you the recipe wow. for it um <laughs> and he would be like we are never gonna have the same clients like people that are attracted to me are never gonna be attracted to you like and and people that are attracted to you i don't need to worry that those are my clients um and just having him say that over the course of a year and watching it be so true amongst like you know all of his students i'm like we're very different people like we really don't have a lot of crossover it's really not harmful um if someone is on my audience and they they really connect with someone that i know that's like that's great (laughs) that's awesome so i i have like a, a practice too i just feel like part of my um abundance practice is that like I just want to see other women thrive so like I can I can promote other women and there's there's nothing that was meant for me that will ever be taken from me so it's just part of like it's a really core part of I was trying to explain it to my boyfriend yesterday because he was like "Mm, no I don't he's like I don't I don't want to share like it's just for me he has this like he's still in corporate America where it's like you're competing with Mm -hmm. people always right um and like you know you can't let anybody get a little little bit ahead of you but uh I think part of also what if I were to project what in her it bloom might have something to do with in you know 10 years time I think it might have something to do with supporting other people's work and practices and businesses um so long as they they have something to do with the intersection of uh, cultural preservation and, and health justice. I think there'll be a lot of that because I've, 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 the organizer in me loves to see people thrive and loves to connect people. So I, I probably will, <laughs> probably will somehow get into that work. Hmm. Uh, well, that's very exciting. I'm just, I'm excited to watch that blossom and grow for you too. Thank I love you. that collaboration, not competition. Yeah, we in a different era, I think. As mm-hmm. I think we really are. Yes, amen to that. <laughs> women, <to> that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna be excited to see what you all. It sounds like you all are both um, in some crossroads of your own. Be excited to watch, peek from the sidelines, and see what's going on with that. Yeah, it's a tower year for sure. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Burn it down. Right, let it burn. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that uh, is a good spot to kind of round us out. And uh, Regina, if people want to find you, where 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 can people find you? I guess just throwing that out there. Sure. So um, I'm on Instagram at at in her it blooms at in her it blooms, and then I'm also at www in her it blooms. Um, and similarly, you can find other contacts like my email and everything there. If you need to reach out, please do. Yeah. And we'll definitely make sure that you are linked in the show notes. So um, we definitely want all of our OBMM fam that we are still trying to figure out a better name for you all. <laughs> we uh, will make sure that we have everyone come send you some love and support. Yeah. Stop by. Say yeah. Hi. And then we will definitely make sure that you uh, have you on our Instagram page. So I'm very excited, but I think we have a great perwitchin slip for tonight, Cheyenne. Yeah, Leia. I think I'm still just reeling over the the ancestral wisdom um, and connection that Regina mentioned to us earlier. And I think our perwitchin slip tonight is, and because it's going to be a core theme throughout season two, is that even if you don't maybe know who your ancestors are or um, are building that relationship, that that's okay. And that there are ways in which you can simplify and begin to build those relationships. But 
just knowing that it's okay if, if you're not there yet and that it'll come and that no matter what, even if you don't know who they are, they have a chain of support holding you up. And I just think that's beautiful. Yes. The easiest way to get started is simply to begin. Oh, <laughs> yes. Cheers to that. Cheers, witches. Thank you, Regina. <laughs> Thank you both. This was great. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm e algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. <laughs>